You're listening to Identity Theft by Alana Terry, narrated by Becky Downey, and sponsored by the award-winning Kennedy Stern Christian Suspense series. Visit alanaterry.com slash unabridged to get the first three-book bundle in the Kennedy Stern Christian Suspense series today. And now, enjoy today's episode of Unabridged, the Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. Chapter 13 About that trial, Raphael's fingers tensed on the steering wheel. He scratched the back of his neck. This isn't easy to talk about, you know, but I guess you deserve an explanation. So, the short version... Wait, is that my phone beeping or yours? Lacey opened her purse. She had missed two calls from Curtis and one from a blocked number. Hold on, she said unsure if she was ready for whatever Raphael was going to say. Let me see if I can get any coverage here. She called Curtis back, but it went right to his voicemail. Fine with her, she was already experiencing about as much awkwardness as one person could handle. What were you saying? Raphael adjusted his sunglasses. So, anyway, about the trial... I think for everything to make sense, we need to rewind, go all the way back to the accident. Lacey's whole body tensed. She didn't realize she was gripping her seatbelt until her fingers started to hurt. There's a lot about that night you don't know, and it's been eating me up since it happened, and, well, it's not going to be easy for you to hear. The car was rushing, too fast. She checked the speedometer. Only fifty? It felt like twice that. So those men on the dock, everything that happened. He swallowed once and reached for her hand, which fell limp in his. It wasn't an accident, not really, and I've never forgiven myself for it because it was my fault, in a way. She wanted him to turn around, wanted to go home. I'd gotten myself into a mess, The words tumbled out of his mouth. She couldn't stop them, like a deadly avalanche. You know me. You know how I was back then. I wasn't the smartest kid, made some dumb choices, but I never got into the really bad stuff. Lacey felt just like she did on roller coasters. Everything whizzed by, gaining momentum. There was no way to get off once you were strapped in. The exit came after the ride was over, After your stomach was lodged up in the top of your chest and your throat was sore from screaming and your fingers were numb from gripping your restraint. The only difference was this particular ride wasn't fun or exciting or adventurous and there was no way to gauge how long it would last before it ended. I had some guys mad at me. I was out of my league, way out of my league. You know, I wasn't the type to go digging for trouble. I just wanted to live simply. Me, you, my art. I would have been happy with just that. I should have been happy with that. But, well, things happened. I made some bad choices. Got mixed up with the wrong people. Lacey didn't care. She wanted him to stop talking, erase time, make it so the past four years never happened. People always talked about how struggles make you wiser, more mature. Not the accident. It had robbed her, stolen her identity, torn her from her boyfriend, and botched her entire future, 
her entire future. Where would she be now if it hadn't been for that night in the North End? She'd have finished her bachelor's degree. She and Raphael would have gotten married, wouldn't they? Of course they would. How many art galas had she missed in the past four years? How many concerts? How many Broadway shows? Would she have continued to pursue her acting career? Would anything have come of it? She'd never know. The accident stripped all that away from her. She had blamed God, blamed the car, blamed Driscoll, blamed the criminals who waltzed into her field of vision to dump a living person into the wharf. In all this time, she had always thought of Raphael as a victim as well. Had she been mistaken? I was going to propose to you that night. It was the last thing she wanted to hear. She gripped the handle of the car door, her mind begging for an escape. I had the ring in my coat pocket and everything, he continued. But I was in this mess I told you about. I had to get away, lie low for a while. I was going to tell you all this that night at the pier. I swear. His voice caught, and Lacey wanted to clear her throat on his behalf. I spent so many nights awake, wondering what to do. I couldn't sleep, couldn't eat, couldn't paint. I knew I had to skip town. I couldn't stand the thought of leaving you, but how could I ask you to go with me? Leave your foster family, your classes, everything you'd known. Her throat muscles clenched. She would have given up all her plans to be with him, would have given them up in an instant. Instead, every single dream was shattered like broken glass, and she went four years without even knowing if he was alive. I took you to the pier to tell you everything. Come clean. Jeez, Lace, you have no idea how messed up I was. I had this show I was supposed to be getting ready for, the one at the menagerie. I remember, she whispered, as flooding memories came crashing over her, suffocating her. And I hadn't been able to paint in two weeks. I was torn. Finally, I realized all I could do was come clean, tell you everything. And then, if you'd still have me, I was going to ask you to leave with me. I had a plan. There was a guy. He was going to meet me at the pier. He was going to help us get... Is that who they killed? She whispered. Raphael's throat worked loudly. I never meant to get you involved in any of this. He squeaked out the last words. I'm so sorry. He sniffed. She couldn't look at him, couldn't handle the torrent of emotions that would drown her if she saw his tears. You hate me, don't you? he asked. She took in a choppy breath. I don't know what you did to make those guys so mad at you. She thought back over her relationship with Raphael, the romance, passion, adventures, friendship. All I know is I was in love with you. I would have gone with you anywhere. She swallowed away a painful lump. Anywhere, she repeated, the word searing hot in her throat. Chapter 14 Lacey's phone rang, freeing her from the weight of Raphael's confession. She hesitated and then held up her finger to Raphael before answering. Hello? Joe, it's me. Where are you? 
Raphael shot her a nervous glance. Was he worried she would change her mind? Why shouldn't she after what he had just told her? We just passed Eureka. Did you find where I left the car? Yeah, and... She strained her ears. You're breaking up. Can you say that again? More static. Hello? She waited another few seconds and then hung up. Stupid cell reception? Everything okay? Raphael asked. Yeah, just a bad signal. She was so sick of this state, so sick of its backwards technology, its ridiculous bugs. A mosquito the size of a New England housefly landed on her. She slapped it, splattering blood all over herself. Gross. She flipped open the glove compartment. Do you have any napkins or anything? The compartment was empty except for a piece of paper from a car rental place with a strange name filled out at the top. Maxwell Turner? It didn't sound like Raphael at all. Another imperfect fit, just like Joe. She glanced at the form again and saw yesterday's date stamped in the top corner. Yesterday's? Didn't he say he'd been in Alaska for weeks? No, I don't have anything in there. Raphael reached to shut the glove compartment. Rats, she forced a laugh. I hate it when I squash a bloody one. Snippets from her conversation with Drisclay ran through her mind. Covers blown. Someone getting a little too nosy. Raphael himself had just admitted to having connections with the murderers on the pier. I'm not feeling good. She tried to make her voice sound natural. Need to roll your window down? No, I really think I'm about to be sick. Can you pull over? Sure, let me just get us to a shoulder. She grabbed the door handle. No, pull over now. I'm going to throw up. At the rate things were going, she wouldn't need to pretend. Okay, he eased to the side of the road. Think, she had to think. Her cover was blown. Driscoll had flown out here to tell her that. She thought it was Curtis putting pieces together, calling her foster parents. But what if it was something else? What if she was wrong? Why would Raphael make up a story about being in Alaska for weeks if he just got here yesterday? He had already acknowledged his connection to the North End criminals. Could he be part of... No, this was Raphael... They had spent two and a half years almost inseparable before the accident. They knew everything about each other. Everything. He had found her so easily at the brain freeze, like he had known right where to look. She was outside of the car, bent over. They couldn't stay here for long. The road wound so much that cars behind them wouldn't see them in time to stop. But what could she do? flag down the next motorist? Take her chances and try to run? A green car whizzed around a bend, speeding toward them from the opposite side of the road. It slowed down for a second, as if the driver knew Lacey was in trouble. Oh no. Something about Raphael's tone sent goosebumps springing up on Lacey's neck. Get in the car. He reached across and tugged the back of her blouse. Get in now. He checked his side mirror nervously. Buckle up. He pulled her into the car and slammed on the gas before she could even shut the door. What are you doing? We've got to go. Now. 
His voice was scared, tense. That's when she realized what a horrible mistake she had made. I changed my mind, she blurted. I want to go back. What? Please, my whole life has been in Glen Allen. I'm not ready to give all that up yet. He took in a deep breath. I don't think now's the best time for... I was confused. Please, just take me home. Her heart was racing. He was going to refuse. He wouldn't let her go. This had been... Listen. His voice was strained. His knuckles were white against the steering wheel. I need you to stay calm and do exactly what I say. Her phone beeped and she pulled it out of her purse, relieved to finally be in an area with reception. She had to tell Curtis what was happening. She glanced down at the screen. He had left her over a dozen texts over the past twenty-five minutes. Cars tampered with. Get back here. Pick up your phone. Where are you? Get him to turn around. Sit tight. We're on our way. Thanks for joining us today for Unabridged, your go-to podcast for unabridged Christian fiction audiobooks. You've been listening to Identity Theft, an Alaskan refuge Christian suspense novel by USA Today bestselling author Alana Terry. Hit subscribe so you don't miss future chapters, and be sure to tune in at the end of the season for a special behind-the-scenes episode about the making of Identity Theft. I'll tell you all about where I got my ideas for this book, how I came up with my characters, and the embarrassing realization that I had months after I wrote the story when I realized I wrote myself into this novel. Today's unabridged installment was sponsored by the Kennedy Stern Christian Suspense audio box set. Audible listeners get the first three books in the best-selling Kennedy Stern Christian Suspense series for just one credit. New Audible listeners can download the first three audiobooks in this gripping, relevant series totally free with an Audible trial. Go to alanaterry.com unabridged to dive into the Kennedy Stern Christian Suspense audiobook series today. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.